0: And I'm at the point that I just like sharing that knowledge and helping people understand it because it is such a, such a need that is out there for employer groups.
1: I'm Kenzie McEvely, the producer and host of McGowan Braybender's Employee Benefits Podcast Side Effects. Today's episode is part one of our four-part series with Director of Pharmacy Solutions, Dr. Jeff Eicholtz. He joined MB in 2023 and brings more than 20 years of experience as a pharmacist from a variety of backgrounds, including retail pharmacy, PBM, and pharmacy consulting. And let me say, he does an incredible job breaking down this extremely complex and complicated topic. We get into to the trendy diabetes and weight loss drug, o o o o I know you know what I'm talking about. We talk about some other important headlines in 2024 that you need to know, and we just get to know Dr. Jeff a little bit better. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Side Effects. I'm joined by my co-host, mcgonagall Bender's Chief Marketing Officer, Dave Holman.
2: Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here, Dave. It's great to be back in the saddle. It's been a while since we've recorded a podcast
1: i know maternity leave kind of threw a wrench into that but
2: we're back so 2024 you're back yeah how was it how was maternity leave
1: it was amazing it was great it felt like it went really fast but feels good to be back so
2: Good. It's great to have you. It's great to be back in the the saddle again.
1: Yep. And we have a special internal guest today. Um, We are starting this new pharmacy series. And in 2023, we hired our director of pharmacy solutions, Dr. Jeff Eicholtz, and we are ready to tap into his knowledge. Welcome, Dr. Jeff.
0: Great. Thanks. Great to be here. It's first time in my podcast saddle, but comfortable so far.
1: Okay, good, good. And we've got quite a few that we're doing with you. So you're you're going to be a pro by the end of this. Sounds great. All right. So for our listeners, um, we're very excited to have, we have direct access to Dr. Jeff. He is our very own expert. Um, so Dave, let's start off first. Can you set the scene for our listeners? And from MB's perspective, why do we need a director of pharmacy?
2: Well, that's a big, it's a big question. It's a great question. Yep. Um, pharmacy is something that has become its own animal. Pharmacy just used to be latched on to health plans, and it was an afterthought. the The majority of the claims came from the claims themselves, the disease management, pharmacy. Uh, the The prescription costs were just kind of an add on. Yeah, there's been this huge dramatic shift over the last decade where pharmacy spend is really in, in many cases starting to outspend the claim spend that's out there. Right. The escalation of the the fees, the inflation is far out. It, it's outpacing the medical claims, which is saying something outrageous out there. But on top of it, the complexity of the matter, because the, um, pharmacy operates very differently than than the medical claim side of things. Mm -hmm. And you can throw logic and common sense out the window when it comes to how the plans are put together, how they're priced, how the contracts are structured. And so we realized that although we had a good base knowledge of it, it required a much greater level of expertise. Enter... Dr. Jeff.
1: We had a specific <laughs> role that we needed filled. So. Yes,
2: we did. And, uh, and especially we had somebody exiting our organization through retirement yep. that was really kind of our anchor with all things pharmacy. And so um, we had to go out and, and not just replace this person, but to, to figure out where we want to be in five years with pharmacy.
1: Absolutely. And
2: we found that person.
1: So, Dr. Jeff, now is your time to shine. Can you share wh- how you're sitting with us today? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then why did you pick MB?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, obviously, pharmacist by education. I started my career in retail pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after four or five years as a pharmacist there, I decided to make the move into managed care. It was just something that had always really kind of interested me, mm-hmm. um, even when I was in in pharmacy school and pharmacy college. But it... Um, didn't have a whole lot of utilization back then, and mm-hmm. one business class that um, I actually kind of liked, and most of my uh, <laughs> most of my friends did not. So it just kind of seemed like a an easy mix, and you know, a regular nine to five job doesn't hurt either. Versus pretty nice, you know, our um, weekend hours and evening hours and
1: holiday and retail pharmacies yeah. holiday <laughs> hours,
0: all those kind of things, mm. and um, you know, after. 10, 12 plus years in the, in the PBM industry, I went into pharmacy consulting, um, was there for a couple of years, had recently gotten out of it and was like, I like that side of the business better. Yeah. So, uh, let's get back into it. And one thing kind of led to another and, and here I am great culture fit and, you know, a need that is there to, to be explained the, just the complicated benefits that are there. And I'm at the point that I just like sharing that knowledge and helping people understand it. Cause it is such a, such a need that is out there for employer groups.
2: So, how has your perspective changed from the point where you were a pharmacist to where you are now? Like, how has that changed from your perspective of the whole transaction? I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I, as, as I kind of reflect back and, and think about my career, I think a lot of the key tenants of like why I got into pharmacy to begin with are still very similar here, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you want to help people and you want to share your knowledge of of the industry. And it just, the audience is a little bit different, different now being more employers and HR professionals, but... A lot of that patient interaction that I had in the retail setting, I was educating them on specific medications, side effects, how to be adherent. You know, how can you how can you save money on your prescriptions? Is there generic? Is there a generic available for your brand name? And it's it's a very similar type of of cadence and education from that perspective, just with a little bit of a different perspective. It's not necessarily all about the drugs anymore. It's more about the contracts and the benefit designs and the clinical programs and. The various PBMs that are out in the ind- that are out in the market and in the industry and different pricing structures and all those kind of things. So that educational basis is still there. Yeah. So I want to ask a follow up
2: question. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you first got out, did and now that you understand really kind of the financial side of things, the pricing, the way contracts are handled, you probably didn't learn a whole lot about that when you were. A
0: student? Did you? No, and we're going. You know, almost twenty-five years ago now, when, since I graduated college. So you throw another five or six years on top of that, and the industry has changed. And I, I think you can look back over some of that evolution, not only just in healthcare in the country, but also in the contracting and in some of the terms that are in there. And it's oftentimes like a game of, of chess within the industry with. PBMs and pharmaceutical manufacturers and health insurance carriers, and they do one thing and then it's reactive to try to control the costs and back and forth, right? And so it's become a lot more complex than uh, than it was 20 years ago. Yeah. And so I, I think as we do this four-part series right now and mm-hmm. we move
2: forward, uh, let's make sure that we level set everything for our listeners yes. because we throw around acronyms a lot like it's alphabet soup, but as we jump through these, let's let's keep each other in check let's make sure our listeners understand so
0: pbm pharmacy benefit manager okay okay, and they're responsible for administering the benefit and claims adjudication is really where they started right you talked about the transaction being different than medical right i think very often we're used to going to the doctor you see an eob weeks later is it covered is it not Mm -hmm. covered pharmacy is pretty much instantaneous in real time. The pharmacy is submitting a claim to the PBM. They're going through the adjudication process. They're looking at the benefit design, co-pays, clinical programs, and you're getting an answer back and you know what you're going to pay. So they're really doing all of that. Plus developing those programs behind the scenes is the pharmacy and network. Formularies for drug coverages, some of those types of things as well.
1: And we get into that in another episode too. We go into how we choose our PBMs and. So get excited because that's coming up.
0: Kenzie (laughs) just
2: teased a future episode. How about that? Yeah.
1: Mark your calendars, (laughs) everyone. Binge
2: binge listening.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, I will say if our listeners follow us on any of social media, you do such a good job, Dr. Jeff, of breaking down these topics to make them easily digestible and understandable. And we have all of these PDFs that just really make it layman's terms. And you're like... I could be a pharmacist. I don't know so much now, but you do so good. such a good job of making everyone feel like they know what they're talking about. Thanks.
0: I I appreciate that. And it is a complex industry Mm -hmm. that many times the audience, and I mean, this is one thing that they teach you back in pharmacy school, right? Right. Is that when you're communicating with the public and communications in general is you guys have chosen for your career. It's what is that level that is going to be understandable for the vast majority of the population? And how can you make those individuals really understand and think about that and be able to navigate the benefit because that's going to be key, you know, not only for the employer in terms of costs, but they also need to know what to do to take care of themselves and make themselves healthy and, and those types of things as an aspect mm-hmm. of it as well that the clinician in me um, still wants to <laughs> keep in mind, right? It's not yeah. just all business. There are still people and patients uh, behind all of these transactions and all of these benefits that mm-hmm. everybody has.
1: It's so all about point. simplifying. Yep. So Dave, I have a question for you then. So how does Dr. J- Doctor Jeff bring so much value to our customers? What is he doing to help them? Because it sounds like he's helping MB, but in yeah, turn. He's
2: helping us better understand pharmacy and the questions to ask and things to look for and, and everything from plan design to reviewing contracts to how long should we enter into a contract or also just even beyond that, once you've made the purchase, it's understanding the data points behind pharmacy and scripts and how you can almost look at that through data analytics and and start to create a, a narrative for things that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny because there was a point in time where we were looking at what the needs were of McGowan uh from a leadership standpoint. We were like, well, do we need a, a pharmacy manager? Do we need a medical director? Right. And once we really got into it and started talking to people, we realized that through the right through the right pharmacy uh, person, we could have the best of both worlds. Because mm-hmm. I believe, Jeff, uh, can can you explain a little bit, like, how does pharmacy paint a picture, like when you're looking at claims and, and for an individual and a
0: group, how does that tell a story for you? Yeah, I think you really have to take a look at both. And I think that's something that gets missed sometimes, right? Yeah. especially when you have a carve out PBM and they're telling the PBM story, what is happening with trend? But then you have to look on the flip side on what's happening on the medical side, too. right? It's that you want patients to be adherent from a clinical perspective. Mm-hmm. From an employer perspective, that can be increased cost if you're just looking at the drug claims. But if that increased cost and that adherence to an asthma medication and a controller medication, for example, is preventing asthma attacks and trips to the ER to get nebulized treatments and those types of things that's a savings, right? So you have to take a look at both of those things in parallel. I think it's the same way when you start to put different type of disease management, population health things into place too, where are you going to see that reaction and the outcome that you're expecting, right? It may not necessarily be on that same benefit or with that same intervention that you've targeted. You've got to take a look at that holistic picture and be aware of where should I be looking for what that outcome is and really having those in your mind before putting some of those programs in place and a true understanding of where are you going to look to find the answers if it's going to be effective.
2: Yeah, because I think right now people always like looking at the headlines, which we're going to jump to in a second, but <laughs> it's it's not just the splashy headline or the one one quick fix to to solve all of your pharmacy woes within a group. It's the devil is in the detail and really data mining. And how has data helped you over the past 10 years? How has it
0: changed? How has it changed for you? I think it's really understanding and sometimes creates more questions than you have answers to. (laughs) But you keep peeling back the layer of the onion and how much deeper are you going to go and, wait a minute, I saw this reaction, it wasn't what I necessarily anticipated, let me look a little bit deeper, or look somewhere else, or what kind of data elements and data points are um, kind of surrounding all of this to create a more holistic picture. And sometimes it leads you down places that you didn't really expect, and... um, it's and, interesting that drug development sometimes goes that way too, which we're going <laughs> to <yeah. laughs> jump into in one of those headlines. And,
2: and you mentioned um, you've mentioned holistic twice now um, in the last couple minutes. Do you try to not jump to conclusions like when you first look at something like one number that jumps off the page
0: that? That can be deceiving. Don't jump to conclusions. I think don't jump to conclusions. Sometimes your gut is usually right. Like follow your initial gut. But I think you also have to be open to what are the other possibilities and what are the other answers that are here. And I think that that's something that I've just kind of learned over my career as, as well is that you just have to be open to other outside influences that you weren't really expecting, right? It gets into some of the scientific process that's there um, that you've just got to be open to other things that you weren't expecting to be there.
1: Yeah. So HR professionals should rejoice because it sounds like if you're even listening to this podcast, you're already getting some value from Dr. Jeff. So let's talk about some recent headlines. Like we were just mentioning, what should people be paying attention to in the pharmacy world in
0: 2024? Um, If you're, Paying attention in the pharmacy world or just in our world in general <laughs> the these days, yep. uh, you're probably hearing about GLP 1s and weight loss and diabetes yeah. being oh, oh, one of the oh. huge ones that. So, have what some
2: are jingles there? For our listeners, <laughs> saying, they, they know hear, that
1: jingle. <laughs> they, hear
2: that, they hear that acronym. So, what, is, what does that stand for? Oh, yes. GL- uh, gluca- Glucagon like peptide 1. Yeah, so okay. let's stay with GLP one. Yeah, GLP <laughs> exactly. yes.
1: And I'm sure they have heard that on TikTok, maybe the news, it's everywhere.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, kind of going back to some of the data, right, that came out of it is that is it a diabetes drug? Is it a weight loss drug? Is it both? It's confusing mm-hmm. personally as a pharmacist. It drives me nuts when people talk about Ozempic being a weight loss drug. <laughs> it's for diabetes, right? Yeah. Like Wagovi, well, it's the same drug. It's for weight loss, but technicalities that get into it but it was one of the medications and really the side effect that people started noticing of the medication was that if they were taking this GLP-1 for diabetes they Mm -hmm. also lost weight now for most diabetics weight loss is going to help their diabetes and control their diabetes so Mm -hmm. it's all good things right that we have out of it but it's driving a lot of spend it's $1,000, $1,000, $1, dollars a month, whatever number you want to pick wow. for, for easy math in your head, yep. um, that's really where it's at. And to date, we haven't seen the ROI for the offset, at least from the weight loss perspective, of reduced complications, reduced coronary events, you know, reduced musculoskeletal events, knee replacements, hip replacements, those kind of things that are also associated with obesity, so it's mm-hmm. created quite a challenge for a lot of employers to how are we managing it mm-hmm. and really addressing obesity as a disease and putting, I'm going to use that word holistic again, mm-hmm. a holistic <laughs> approach that yeah. there's not a magic bullet, like I think we all want the easy way out. Yep, They are the most effective that we have seen to date in terms of reduction of weight but they're new too, right? right? And you're starting to see some things about additional side effects. Long-term is still a little bit unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have those lifestyle changes that deep down we all know what I we need to do. I was just going to ask
1: that, yeah.
0: <laughs> right? It, it's hard. Yep. Yeah. We're recording this pretty early in the year. <laughs> We've all kind of been in the New Year's resolution. It's tough, yeah. but, you know, that's an, that's an aspect of yeah. it that has to go along with it also.
2: So from an employer standpoint, if there may be considering, do I cover it? Do I cover it a little bit differently? Mm. Um, what are some of the things that you, w- as, as you get questions about, is this something that we should include in our coverage? How do you
0: navigate that? Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple of things to think about. Number one, and, you know, going back 10, 10 years, it kind of seems crazy that you're going to prior authorize a diabetic drug, right? But then with the side effect of weight loss, you've had a lot of individuals trying to get the diabetes drug because it's free and clear. From a benefits coverage perspective, there's no prior authorization on Mm -hmm. them typically. That would be something that I would recommend, number one. Number two, if you're going to be considering weight loss coverage, you you have to take a look at the cost, number one, and consider what that's going to do. By the approved body mass index, obesity, overweight with comorbidities, you know, like sleep apnea and cardiovascular conditions for coverage for weight loss, according to the FDA label, about 42% of adults are probably going to qualify. So wow. let's call it one in four mm-hmm. at ten dollars or $12,000 a year. It doesn't take very long to have a pretty significant increase in cost. I think you need to take a look at what are you doing on the medical side today, right? And have what I'll refer to as parity of benefit. Are you covering gastric bypass? Are you covering lap band? Some of those kind of things is how am I handling this on my plan today? Mm -hmm. Uh, But then also having those supportive efforts and accountability um, to make sure that they're not looking at it from a magic bullet perspective as being the one and done, but are doing the healthier lifestyle modifications in terms of eating healthier foods, exercise, portion control that we all know do have an impact. They're just really hard. Right.
1: Well, actually, just a side note. So if you, let's say they are taking one of these drugs and they stop it suddenly, will the weight come back?
0: That is what the data looks at so far and looks like so far is what we're hearing. Um, You know, what... We don't know associated with that, right? Because we can see that in the claims. Have they changed their lifestyle habits? Yeah. Are they making consistent? Are they falling back into bad habits? Yeah. Is it just a so magic pill that I can continue doing what I want to? For your
1: entire life, yeah. though? That is
0: yeah. wild. And that's going to continue to yeah. evolve, so really mm-hmm. not go away. And, I mean, that's kind of what happens with drugs and drug development is that mm-hmm. we continue to learn, continue to gather data, and you continue... We may continue to see different things that GOP ones get approved for, right, um, in the future as well.
1: Yeah. Do we have any data of where these weight loss slash diabetes drugs are being used most, like in big cities? Any like industry specific? Do we have any of that? Probably
0: demographics, I would guess. I, I would uh, guess that there's some out there. I don't have them off the top say, of mm, my head I'm gonna to, have to, to look see into where that. it is. Yeah. But kind of as you have where did it start or where did we start to see some of the social media, right? Mm -hmm. Is that you can probably guess on where it is and there are pop-up clinics that are out there and prescribing it and those types of
2: things as well. Wow. Okay. So besides the weight loss drugs, what other
0: headlines Mm -hmm. are we going to see this year?
1: That's the juiciest one though. Uh, That is a pretty big one. (laughs)
0: Um, I think pricing changes and just healthcare costs in general. Uh, It it seems that inflation is part of it. Um, you know, being in an, an election year, drug costs and drug prices are always part of policy. Mm-hmm. So maybe even more in the headlines mm-hmm. of where is it, um, where are we going to land and are there going to be more changes that are, you know, potentially coming um, in the future, I think is going be, to be a big one there. Um, you know, the healthcare cost in general is a conversation that Right, You know, we need to have also that prescriptions absolutely driving a lot of that. But we need to take a look at it in totality also. But I think that that's going to continue to be as well as specialty, Um, specialty medications, gene therapies. They're getting headlines because of some of the costs that are associated with them. Now with gene therapies and the millions of dollars per treatment, but then also just specialty costs. It's where pharma is spending the money to develop because of some of the return that they have. And again, we have to balance, like there are new treatments out there that have never been able to treat diseases before in really small patient populations that are having a huge impact on those individuals' lives, but we have to be able to figure out how to afford them as well.
2: Yeah, and I think with the advancements in science and technology, we're seeing, it, it seems like we chugged along for a long time and you never even really saw it on television. Nobody advertised drugs on television. And now you can't, I I would say they dominate evening television,
1: every commercial for,
2: and you can tell who they're targeting by (laughs) what you're watching. But, um, I, I look at that and I think about how fast things are moving right now and with science. And do we have from a like governmental regulation and oversight uh, has that changed much, or is it still the older? Uh, do we are we living in a new world order with old world rules? Because <laughs> it seems like it takes forever, and, and to get a drug fast tracked in the United States, and there are all these drugs that have been used for a much longer time over in Europe and other places overseas. Are we do we need to change things there? I don't know
0: necessarily from the approval process standpoint. I think. What we see sometimes in terms of the longevity of some of these products is really around patent and patent laws mm-hmm. and continua extensions mm-hmm. and those types of things that, um, you know, really impact how long is somebody able to really stretch that out? I mean, There's multiple versions, you'd make a tweak, you'd take it down to a once a day versus a three times a day initially, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you change any little thing and it can extend the patent life on it. And that's maybe something that they need to look at. And I think probably will start to be looked at, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because then you think about patent law and then you go to lawsuits, that's all adding costs to the pharmaceutical company, right? Which translates into getting into the system. So that what you're saying is this is a pretty complicated topic we're talking about, <laughs> which is job security for you. But <laughs> it's a it's a complicated topic, and there's yeah. there's a lot of money involved, and the topic yeah. on multiple sides, right? Yeah. And uh, we all know how those conversations can go when you when you get those parties into the into the room. Yeah, but I think the the bottom line is the more that you know about it as an
2: employer, the better decisions that you can make with your broker. Yep. And and hopefully, um effectively manage this and try to at least lower the trajectory Correct. of the trend.
1: Absolutely. The trend. So yeah. as we wrap up here, do you want to give our listeners a tease of what our next few episodes are about Dr. Jeff?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that we really, we really jumped into quite a few of them already. It's yep. uh, you know, pricing and contracting. We're going to talk about benefit design. What is a formulary mm-hmm. clinical programs, offerings that are out there. We'll continue to talk about headlines, vendor selections and RFPs or requests for proposals and just general education around the complexities that are associated with pharmacy. Perfect. Good. So if you like
2: this, we teased up a few of the topics. We've got three more for you to binge listen to when you're driving.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Dr. Jeff, for joining us. We hope your first podcast was easy peasy. You did a great job. Thanks thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: And if you have any questions about this topic, you can email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com
2: or Dave at healthierbirthdays.com. And or Jeff at healthier birthdays. We have so a new email address <laughs> for Jeff, so
1: thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time on side effects.